Thank you so much for joining us today for the Pastor's Potluck Podcast. Here on the Pastor's Potluck, it's similar to a normal potluck where you might get something that you want and there may be something that you just want to pass up altogether. And that's okay. There's something here for everybody. Our goal here is to encourage you and maybe in the process entertain you. If you're ready, let's dig in. Welcome to another episode of the Pastor's Potluck Podcast. I'm tired of this cold weather, dude. Tired of it. This is stupid. There's still snow on the ground from like whenever Friday night, whenever it snowed. Yeah, my backyard has like one big strip right down the side of it where the sun hasn't hit it yet. (laughs) The rest of it's gone. I just, it was exciting the first time that we got like a whole bunch of snow. Because like whenever we first moved here, because you know you just don't get that kind of you don't get that kind of weather in Texas. But now that we've been here going on three and a half years, it's uh, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I, I it don't doesn't wanna... get better. I don't like winter. I've been here my whole life. I love summer and early fall. Early fall to where it's yeah. still warm outside, yeah. but it, like it, it, you can tell that the temperature is starting to shift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it. You know, with the HVAC unit being out, has made it more difficult. Because my <laughs> office is like a literally like a walk-in freezer, um, for like half the day. <laughs> for real, your office is. is cold today too. So yeah, the worship I'd, center was really hot when we just recorded the extra point. Yeah, you were up underneath the vents too. Yeah, I took my hoodie off for that, and I'm gonna have my hood on for this. Yeah, so yeah, it's just too cold. It's I'm tired of cold. it. There's just not enough that I could do, and then you burn energy if you're shivering like all day long, like, and then by the time you get home, you just want to don't do anything and you just burn go. energy by shivering. Oh, yes. Oh. Tons of energy. And you burn be, calories, too. Oh, I need to be cold more often. <laughs> that might be the secret to my weight loss plan. <laughs> Just be cold. I've lost 10 pounds this year, so I'm kind of at like a little bit of a plateau. Yeah. So maybe I'm just going to shiver myself to the next 10. You should get a cold plunge. Oh, man. No, I can't even do the cold shower. You know, people always talk about taking cold showers, how good they are for it. I can't do that. So I could do like a, a lukewarm shower, but then I got to turn it up hot right before I get out. So what the what I do is I take a shower and then I I just gradually Mm-mm. over like three minutes just bring the temperature down, and then I'm just underneath that cold water as long as I can get. I can't do it. And I tell you this much: you feel. There's Listen, something I about am, it. I am the guy at, at our pool in the summer that is complaining halfway through the summer that the pool is still too cold. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Last year, the president of the pool brought me a snack um, one time that I was there because she knew I was complaining how cold the pool was. <laughs> she brought me something from the concession stand because... It was like the middle of June and the pool was still freezing. I was like, I'm not, I can't do this. Like that pool has to be, I want it to feel like a hot tub. If I'm getting in it, I cannot do cold water. Yeah. It's good for you. Uh, You'll feel rejuvenated. If I made only decisions in life that were good for me, what a life I would have. (laughs) 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 I'm trying, but I, I can't do the cold water is right on par with vegetables for me. I just, if there's a way to do it via a pill or a powder, let me know. Because <laughs> I... Mm-mm. But you like cold... You like to drink cold water. I actually don't. What? No, I only like uh, room temperature water. That's why there's no ice in that cup right there. That stuff's coming out really cold now, too, because it's in the wing that doesn't have heat. Yeah. No, I don't like cold water at yeah. all. Um, I used... I was going through a phase where if I went to restaurants, I would order my... Uh, water without ice yeah but now it really doesn't matter because it all comes out of a machine really cold anyways but yeah like whenever i go to like a concession stand and i ask for a water they'll always go to the cooler to get me one about no no do you have any just like sitting on the ground like in a pack still because that's what i want yeah i don't like cold water at all 
Now, if I have, if I'm having a cold pop, yeah, I've got my pops got to be cold. I was about to say, like, but is water, that the same I do with like not soda? Want, I do not want. You just cold water sit out the, your glass of milk for like an hour before you start no, drinking milk's gotta it. Milk's got to be cold. Yeah, yeah. Milk's got to be cold. Pop's got to be cold. Water, uh, I don't want it cold. <laughs> I don't want it cold in the shower. I don't want it cold in my cup. <laughs> I think if I didn't have hot water, I, w- I just wouldn't shower ever. I would just. Be I'm covered. glad that we have hot water. Yeah, I would. I would be. Uh, what's that kid off peanuts? Uh, uh, pig pen. Pig pen. That would be me. You I would just have just be dust. walking around with a dust cloud around me because <laughs> if I didn't have hot water, I would not shower. Would you carry a blanket around behind you like he did too? I, no, that was Linus. <laughs> oh, that was Linus. No, I would. I would just have a can of Axe body spray at all time. <laughs> that's, all, that's what I would do. I, I, yeah, me and cold water are not getting down. Nah, that's a good intro, cold water. We're talking about Jonah. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Maybe that's why he was pretty adamant about sleeping in the bottom of the boat because he knew something was happening. Yeah, I Good segue. water he had was cold. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, he found out if it was warm or not. So, yeah, uh, yeah we're continuing our discussion on Jonah. Um, we are at the point to where – um, the storm is coming and they're about to toss his rear end over the side of the boat. Yep. Um, expand this a little bit, uh, because there's such a unique scenario and situation that's happening because the storms come in and they start are talking amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. And we talked about last time of, uh, this kind of like polytheism idea of where they're kind of everybody's taking on like all these different gods and stuff yeah they're doing whatever they can do to try to fix this and it's interesting that they do i have this noted in the sermon that these these pagans they do have the right pattern of what what we should do yeah like they start off prayer even though they're praying to every single option that is out there yeah they start off with prayer and then they start lightening their load they start throwing stuff overboard yeah, which is exactly the pattern when a storm comes up in our life here and this man, I, I'm saying this not because I have it perfected. Yeah. Right. Like sometimes you just have to speak the truth of God, even though it's still being worked out in your life. I do not. So if I say this and you go, oh, but he, he's just, you know, immaculate under pressure. No, no, no. This is just what's true, whether I can do it really well or not. And you're just being open and real and honest by saying this is something I struggle yeah. with. Yeah. You have to pray like it depends on God, mm-hmm. and then you have to go and work like it depends on you, right? So you just got to pray and then do what you can do because you don't have, like, you can't do it all on your own, and you also just can't pray about it. You got to do both, yeah. period, right? That's the only way that that it works is you have to have both, right? Like, you got your super spiritual people sometimes just want to pray, and they don't ever do anything. Yeah. No, God is always, his sovereignty is always interacted with our responsibility, period. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's going, he's got his part, but he is also, the reason why he chooses to, to work in and through people is because we also play a part, and we're not just robots, right? So, like, we have to pray like it depends on God, and then we have to get to work like it depends on us, mm-hmm. right? And when those two things meet up, that is a recipe for being able to deal with the storms that come our way i think a lot of times that people like they immediately pray for it but they're not willing to do the work or put in the work behind it because i mean i think we do a good job of saying you know bring your cast your cares on him for he cares for you you know we sing these songs of 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 taking our needs and giving it to god and so letting him do whatever he's got to do but he also wants us to be able to put in the work you know for these things like Look, you, it's me. One of my prayers over the last three or four years, Lord, will you help me to be more healthy? But I wasn't willing until this year to really do anything about it. Yeah. The Lord ain't just going to be like, poof, Scott, now you're healthy. <laughs> no. That He's would like, be really... Uh, can like, the Lord give I'd me... freak out. Str- I know. You just walk in here like, oh, man, it would be like the Santa, the reverse Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but like, it just... I, I would pray that, and it's like, okay, the Lord will give you strength. He yeah. will give you desire. He, he is, through common graces, given resources that are available to help you get healthy. But if you won't do your part, he ain't just going to snap his fingers and make it happen. Yeah, It's the same thing. Like, listen, if you're single right now, but you don't want to be single, 
but you're praying for Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright to come along, but you're not out taking care of yourself, putting yourself out there to have interactions with people, then, like, what do you think's going to happen? It's not just going to poof, yeah. right? Like, oh, oh, we, I've been praying for a job. Okay, well, what the heck you been doing to get a job? Yeah, nobody right. knows you're looking for it if you ain't out have, there hustling. You got a resume? Know. Did you go and get proper training? Like, have you cleaned up your personal profile on social media because people are checking that out? Oh, have yeah. you filled out an application? Like, <laughs> no, we got a bunch of cousin Eddies. They're just holding out for management. Like, somebody just going to call me out of nowhere. <laughs> no, you pray for it, then you go and do it. Like, yeah. well, I'll say it around here all the time. Like, don't pray for what you won't – like, don't pray for what you won't pay for. Like, that's – like – if you won't pay the price for it, then don't ask God to do something on your behalf. Yeah. Like that's – no, it's those two things. The sovereignty of God matches up with human responsibility, um, and that's that's where, you know, the sauce is really made um, right there. Um, it, it is both of those. Could could God do it without you? I know because this is the cop-out people. Could God, could God do it without you? Of course he could do it without you. But for some reason, he chose to involve you in it, so therefore you have to have a role in it. Yeah. If he was going to do it without you, like if God was going to go and save the Ninevites without Jonah, he could have just did it. He didn't need to send Jonah. He wanted to use Jonah. Yeah. Right? And so they've got the right pattern for pagans, you know, pray and then do what you can. They start throwing stuff overboard. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, Lord, I'm just praying that you take away this desire to – you know, whatever it is, like, what's your issue? I can't stop, you know, getting drunk, or I can't stop, you know, watching pornography. Okay, ready? Throw your computer away. Pray. Pray that God changes your desires. Throw your computer away. Yeah, oh, well, I can't do that. I use it for, no, no, But you will pray. You will pray. All right, delete the app. Boom. Yeah. You're tired of falling short? Delete the app. Yep. Pray, Pray that God changes your desires, and then do what you're supposed to do. Oh, Lord, I can't quit eating junk food. Pray, throw that crap out. Quit yeah. buying it. Well, like, that's what it's got to be. Stop praying to, for God to do something that you're not even willing to do. Yeah. It just doesn't happen like that. Whatever that is. Pray like it depends on God. Work like it depends on you. That's, that, that is the secret sauce when it comes to storms in your life. Because yeah. you can't do – here's the thing. You can't do anything else. Yeah. You can't do anything that's outside of your control. Yeah. You can only control what you can control, and the rest is up to God, right? You'll make yourself miserable trying to micromanage getting a, a specific response from God. Well, you I can't think, do it. I think that sometimes, too, we have to understand that that even if we do bring our, our petitions to God, our desires, our cares, our you know the things that we are struggling with, whatever that may be, and then we still put in the work, you still have to be consistent in your work regardless of if you've gotten the answer that you are initially looking for, because it's not just like a one, it could be a multi-year process of you just putting in the work and then God taking care of it. It could be three, five years from now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, look at it this way. It's what we're doing this for the future campaign. We've prayed about it. We've asked people to come alongside and, and quote unquote, put in the work to help mm-hmm. get rid of this debt that we have. Yeah. We have a goal, but we do know eventually if that goal is not met, eventually it could be three years. It could be six years. It could be 10 years. Eventually that's going to get taken care of. We just have yeah. to continue to be diligent, but we do know that the more people that jump on yeah. and help out with those things. So invite your friends in. Okay. Yeah. So if I'm struggling with pornography, I'm not going to just keep that to myself. I'm going to say, Scott, hey, I want to let you know something that I'm struggling with, and I want you to hold me accountable for that. You're going to be an overcomer of that thing that you are struggling with a lot faster and a lot sooner than you are just trying to do it by yourself because it's real, 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 real easy to get back into your old patterns, your old way of doing things if you're just doing it by yourself because you've tried to do it by yourself for so long. You need somebody, I need somebody to hold me accountable if I'm struggling with something, if I want to get something out of my life. Continue to pray, continue to work, but bring somebody in to say, hey, this is what I want to see happen in my life. Yeah, What, what are the prayers that you have that you're not doing anything about. 
Yeah. Right? Like if you're praying for Southridge Church to be debt free, but you haven't filled out a commitment card or have not started yet giving to for the future, well then your prayer life is inconsistent because you're praying for what you won't pay for. Yeah. Right? Like if you're praying, Oh Lord, will you help grow our church, but you don't invite people to church. Yeah. Like you you very well could be the th- the person or the entity that God wants to use to answer your prayer if you would just get to work with whatever it is you're praying about. Yeah. Oh, Lord, I'm just praying about... Get to work on it. You might be the one that God's going to use to do it. I think that if it, if you already have that idea and then you've prayed about it once, you should, like, literally just get up and go and do it. It's it's um, Maybe that's just a personality thing for me, but if, like, God has put something on my heart or revealed something that I've got to deal with or that something that I'm struggling with. Like I want to immediately like try to do whatever I can do to knock it out. Yeah. But like, here's the deal. So like a lot of, maybe not a lot, but some Christians, they are looking for any way whatsoever to disregard what, what it is that they know that they're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So they'll do goofy stuff. Like when, you know, it it cracks me up when people be like, you know, I'm going to pray about, you know, whether I should give to the church or not. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) You're you're going to pray? You think God's going to come up with a different answer (laughs) than what he's already said? You don't need to pray about things that are obvious. Yeah. Uh, It it really drives me insane whenever this happens, especially in in our church. Like, it'll be like, you know what? I heard y'all need people in the children's ministry. I'm going to pray about that. You need to pray about doing the right thing. Your life must be a disaster if you got if if you got to pray to do the right thing in every area. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? You don't have to pray about things that God's already made clear. Yeah. You don't pray about whether you're going to serve and give. You don't pray about like I'm not sitting here praying today. Like, Lord, I hope I don't cheat on my wife while I'm gone today. I don't have to pray <laughs> about that, right? It's it's the right thing to do, so that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's so silly whenever we take this, like, super spiritual, like, oh, I'm going to pray about that. Look, look, if it's something where it's not super clear, sure, pray about it. Pray all you want about it. Stuff that's already clear, you don't have to pray about it. But if you ain't serving on a Sunday morning and God has put it on your heart, like, you're really concerned that there's not enough volunteers in a specific ministry, like he's already tapped you. That's that's your cue. Yeah, that concern <laughs> in your heart is is your like. Here's your sign. Yeah. It's you, bro. Like what you do. It's you. You could still pray about it, but you pray, Lord, as I'm stepping into this role, give yeah. me the peace, the confidence to be able yeah, to do you these. Do not things. have to like what like the. This is funny. To, like again, every, I'm not trying to throw shade at people. I really am not. But like people will go, like. um I'll hear about people like, hey, do you want to come speak at this event or what, whatnot? Oh, let me yeah. pray about it. Listen, for me, God called me to preach. So when the door is open, if my calendar is clear, I go and preach. What do I need to pray about that for? What, like, uh, for me, I, that's what I'm called to do. Yeah. Right? So I don't, you don't have to pray about stuff that is obvious whatsoever. But you do pray, and then you get to work. That, that's the key. That's what's happening Right here, they prayed to all the different gods, and then they start chucking stuff overboard. Yeah. Right? So they, they've got the right pattern. They just got the wrong god right now. Yeah, and so they, they, they find Jonah sleeping in the middle of this big old storm, and they're just like, hey, 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 like, wh- what god are you – like, wh- whose team are you representing? Yeah, whose team are you on? <laughs> and we talked about that last week, that it's a major issue in your faith life. If you can be down in the bottom of the boat sleeping in the midst of your sin, yeah. you got major issues. I don't want to get into that again. But yeah. when they when they wake Jonah up, the next thing they're going to do is they're going to cast lots to figure out who's at fault, which tells you that Jonah didn't wake up and immediately start going, sorry, guys, yeah. this one's on me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they start casting lots, which is this like – it's like an old way of doing dice almost, right? They had these like – painted stones and they believe that this is how the gods would speak to them yeah and when they do this immediately all eyes go to jonah like it becomes clear oh okay so this is this is this guy's fault yeah like he's the one (laughs) and and i love i have this in my notes here in verse nine jonah begins this confession he says i worship the lord the god of heaven who made the sea and the dry land like he starts just open up. I serve the Lord. I love the Lord. All this stuff, and 
you have to see the irony in that, right? Yeah. Here's these pagan sailors going, who's responsible for this calamity that's coming upon us? Jonah's like, it is I. I serve the Lord who's causing all of this. The and one, going, yeah, the one who created the crazy ocean yeah. that we're on right now. So they're <laughs> going, then why, if you serve the, the Lord that's over everything, why are we in this mess right now? Yeah. If you're faithful mm-hmm. to this God, why is it that you are running in the opposite direction? Like they can see right yeah. there. Hey, uh, Jonah, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. You say one thing, but what we can see in your life is drastically different. His conduct does not match his confession. It's so funny. Like you've mentioned a story um, to me about somebody that you knew like before Jesus, I think it was what what it was. And there was this guy that came up to the church whenever, I don't know if you were early on in ministry or whenever you were um, co-leading with Michael or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this guy came up and he had a ankle bracelet on and he, you know, he was probably going to be going to jail for a long time and yeah. was going, coming to church like religiously for maybe six, seven, eight months or so. Yeah. And then come to find out that the judge had like dropped everything or something happened. And he was just like, oh, look what God did. And then you never saw that dude yeah. ever again. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost kind of like, like whenever something bad was going on in his life, he was like, ah, oh, like yeah. searching for God. Yeah, like it, and here, here was the point I drove to in the first week of of this series, and it was called fishy faith. Was that there's something fishy about your faith if your conduct doesn't consistently match your confession? Yeah, right. And so, like, and I I use that word consistently because I'm not saying that any of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we don't have been at moments where we mess it up i'm saying what is the overall consistent trajectory of your life yeah is it consistent with your confession if it is not then there is something that needs your attention in your faith journey right like if your confession is jesus is lord but it looks like everything else in your life is lord Mm -hmm. all the time you got issues i'm not saying every once in a while you don't have some issues i'm saying what is the consistent drumbeat of your life and if what you say does not match the way that you live then you've got an issue with your faith because we say it here all the time your behavior is always um, affected by what you believe so if you say jesus is lord then that means that you're not and that means that his ways are now your ways Mm -hmm. his thoughts are now your thoughts you don't have your own opinion anymore. You only have his opinion. Yeah. You don't have your way anymore. You only have his way. It is the right way. It is the best way. So if you say Jesus is Lord, that's what it means. Jesus is Lord does not mean that you go to church. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what most people equate it to. Because like, you will have folks that will come to church and then the whole rest of their week is like, nonsense just utter nonsense Mm -hmm. like they're a christian for one hour a week and then the other 167 they are gossiping backstabbing lying cheating stealing like addicted everything that you could imagine yeah no and this and this ain't just like oh man i messed up last no like this is like the consistent drumbeat of their life they come to church and then the other 167 they are out wild Mm mm-hmm this is that that means that you don't actually have the faith that you claim to have. Whenever your confession does not match your conduct or your conduct doesn't match your confession, then you are exactly the reason why people say that the church is full of hypocrites. Yeah. And again, we talk about this a bunch around here that when people say the church is full of hypocrites, I don't disagree with them whatsoever because there are two different types of hypocrites that fill up every single church. There's intentional hypocrites. That's the people that we're talking about right here. They, their conduct does not match their confession, but they want to be up in church on Sunday morning because somehow it appeases um, their guilty conscience. Yeah. They're just checking the box at that point. It means nothing to them. It's I want my wife to see I'm in church. I want my kids to see I'm in church. 
I want my neighbors to know that I go to church for an hour a week, but then like every, everything else about you has nothing to do with God. You don't, you don't bust the Bible open. Not one time in a week. You don't pray. You don't attend church regularly. You don't serve. You don't give your conduct is wild and way out of line. Um, for a Christian, those are intentional hypocrites that are trying to fleece people. Mm-hmm. The church is then also filled with unintentional hypocrites. Those are people because we are imperfect folks trying to follow a perfect God that we, our confession is Jesus is Lord and sometimes we screw it up. Yeah. But that's not the consistent issue in our life. Mm. It, it it happens because of our flesh because of our weakness whenever we feed the wrong nature within us unfortunately that that nat- that that battle between the two natures is raging at all times and and people that are consistent in their confession and their conduct will win that battle most of the time but on those times that they don't you know what i'm saying like it that'll happen but that does that that yes that makes you a hypocrite because you said Jesus is Lord and you have moments where Jesus isn't Lord where he get, where your temper gets the best of you or whatever it is but that is unintentional mm. hypocrisy so is the church full of hypocrites you're absolutely right it is and that's why everyone is joined welcome to join us because you even people outside the church are hypocrites mm-hmm. like people like people that say one thing um, that they want, oh, I want this rule for everyone else, but they don't want it for, for themselves a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, like, seriously, you, oh, gosh, this is a hot button issue. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> go there, there would be some folks that publicly they are the most pro-life people that you could find, but let them find themselves in a tough situation and you will find people who start having, start second guessing when it's them, Yeah. when it's their kid. Again, I'm not. I'm not trying to argue. I'm just saying all these people that publicly spout stuff. Yeah. You know, we saw this a lot in COVID. Like, not to be controversial, but we saw this a lot in COVID that all the people in charge were like mask, 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 and then we start seeing pictures of them no mask, no mask, no mask. So it's like even people outside the church, yeah, will have issues. Whatever your code of conduct is, no matter who you are, you don't follow it perfectly. So that makes you a hypocrite. All right. So we're all hypocrites. So it's funny why they say that about the church. Yeah. Right. But that's it, it's just true of all of us. Like every president that's ever held office, hypocrite, every senator, every um, congressman, all hypocrites. Um, yeah. You say anything just, to get in the office and whenever yeah. you're there, you, you're, you're tuned. But everybody's changes. a hypocrite. Every yeah. kid, every teenager, every adult that's ever lit is a hypocrite. Other than Jesus, he's mm-hmm. the only one that ever his conduct consistently matched his um, uh, confession a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. We're, we're all hypocrites. You just have to make sure that you're not being an intentional hypocrite, because if you are an intentional hypocrite, you are not And this would, I will stand on this. You're not a Christian. Yeah. Like intentional hypocrites are not actually saved. They are trying to fleece people. Unintentional hypocrites have good intentions. They just don't always hit the mark a hundred percent of the time yeah. um, in their humanity. So if that's, if that's you, and again, we go back to the story we started with the first week that we talked about this, the story about um, when, uh, what's the dude's name? Malali. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Alan Malali. Whenever he went to Ford and he goes into the executive parking lot. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, what's our goal here? We're trying to sell Fords. Why? Cause Fords are the best. Why do none of you all drive Fords then? Yeah. Right? You're trying to, this is your confession. We're selling Fords, man. Fords are the best. We're marketing. Fords is what you want. But none of y'all drive Fords? No, we don't drive Fords. No, no, no. That makes you a, that is a, that is intentional hypocrisy. Yeah. If that's you. If you sell it, but you don't buy it, that you, you're a hypocrite. If you sell Jesus, but you don't buy Jesus, you are an absolute uh, hypocrite. Right, and there is something fishy about your faith if that is you. Yeah, I like what you wrote here. You, it said you wrote you settled for religion somewhere along the way and never met the real Jesus. I just I can't tell you the amount of people that I think that this is true of, and it scares the daylights out of me because I I, I know like so everyone that everyone in ministry we're we're all called to, like if we're in ministry we're called to ministry, but within that I think God gives us like very specific assignments. Uh, you know, like like he did for um, Paul. Paul was going to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Like there was a specific group of people that Paul was meant to 
to minister to. Yeah. I feel I have a similar call in my life, and it is this group of people. Yeah. It is the most difficult people on the face of the earth to reach with the gospel because they don't think that they need it because they think that they already responded to it. It's, um, I, I make jokes all the time. It's really not a joke. It, 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 it feels like my personal burden um, for the church that I, I, when I'm preaching, I am trying to get the church saved. I'm trying to get the people sitting in the seats saved. Yeah. We don't need a sign on our door as we leave talking about you're now entering the mission field. When we're here together, I feel like we are entering the mission field because there's that many people who were raised in a predominant Christian culture. Now, granted, that's not that's not our current reality, but a lot of these, you know, let's say 40, 50, 60, 70 year old folks, that was the reality. They grew up when Christianity was mainstream. Yeah. And now, now that it's getting pushed to the periphery, these are the people that are screaming and crying the loudest about, you know, how horrible, awful, nasty things are now. Um, and it's those folks right there that they, they got discipled into religion, show up for church, you know, mind your P's and Q's, give your tithe, serve in the nursery, yada, yada, yada. But like their heart never actually got captured by Jesus whatsoever. They're checking all these boxes, but there's been no real transformation that hasn't been the result of them just white knuckling their way to whatever their proclivity is of trying to stave it off and keep it away. Mm. Not real transformation, just like an intense version of behavior modification. It's this group of people that have not actually responded to the true gospel that I feel the biggest burden for because the reason why it was easy for me to get saved was because I, without a shadow of a doubt, knew I was messed up. Mm-hmm. I was so far from God and in need of him. The reason why this group is so hard is because they come to church faithfully. They, they do little sorts of things that convince them that everything is all right, and then they sleep really good at night about it. And so when the gospel is presented at the end of the service, they get up and go to the bathroom because they think that they already took care of it. No. They, they Every time that we have a response time, they go, oh, that's not for me. That's probably for that lady from Recovery Point because we know she's messed up, but not me. I've been going to church for two decades now. Yeah. It's for them. It's not for me. It's like, no, 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 listen. It's the hardest people because they have the fleece right over their eyes. They cannot even see that they've never actually responded to the true gospel. It, it's it's that group of people that are, are the the most worrisome for me. I, we can reach drug addicts and prostitutes and all these folks that, that it's obvious that their lives are in need of something. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to reach that uh, middle-class dad with two nice little kids and a, a nice wife and a nice house, and they have um, good jobs and plenty of money in the bank, and everyone is well-behaved. They're not out there running around on each other. They come to church whenever whenever they can fit it into their schedule, and they go, well, yeah, that, I'm probably a Christian. You know, my life seems docile enough, and you go, it's that group right there that they still have not responded to the gospel. And, man, I'll never forget my, my old pastor, Mark. He preached a sermon called The Worst Surprise You'll Ever Get. And it was about uh, Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. And he said, there's going to be people that are going to go, at the, when they get separated, you know, at the great white throne judgment, that God's going to go, depart from me, I never knew you. Because when I was hungry, you didn't. Because it's those people, they don't show up to help when when, yeah. people, when when mission is happening. They don't show up to help. They'll, they'll show up to be served. But it's like, I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was thirsty. You didn't give me something to drink. I was in prison. You didn't visit me. I was naked. You didn't give me clothing. And he says, in that moment, I'll tell them, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. He said, those people are going to have the worst surprise of their life because they went their whole life thinking that they were right with God and never responded to the true gospel. And that's, I think that's the sermon probably that set me on this path of like, especially serving in West Virginia, like we're still very much Bible Belt. 
right? So you've still got a lot of people that just go to church because that's what everybody does. Yeah. And it's that type of people that, that I'm trying to get their attention. Um, it's it's easy to get people whose lives are a wreck to respond to the gospel. It's very difficult to get people whose lives look perfect to everyone around them to get them to actually respond to the gospel. Mm. Man, yeah. I remember I heard that, that sermon for the first time, and that was the one that kind of opened up my eyes. It was like, okay. Thank you, Lord, for putting that in the Bible, because I don't know if that if that wasn't included in there. I don't know that I, I probably would have still lived a life that was checking off boxes. Yeah. Um, and well, there's another passage just, just like up. it. Like when Jesus goes, you know, there's going to be those on the last day that say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your yeah. name? This is the one that really scares me because these are people that were active in ministry. Yeah. For Jesus. And he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Yeah. Like that, that means there's going to be nursery workers in hell. There's going to be people that hold doors in churches in hell. There's going to be people that play instruments in churches that are in hell. Mm-hmm. Oh, but we were so busy for you, Lord. Yes, you were, but I never knew you. It's very you were, too, you were too busy to even spend time with me. Yeah, you were working for me, but you never spent. Yeah, you, you never spent time with, with me. me. You didn't let me change who, like, because what 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 you end up finding out is all those public acts of service are only box checkers. They're not yeah. serving because it's out of a transformed heart, right? So that and that 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 is the devious play. Like, it, actually, gosh, I got to get into this. I wasn't going to. I didn't know where I was going to share this. I'm going to preach this. At some point, I was doing our journey through Luke yesterday. Uh, yesterday was about Judas. Yeah. I'm reading that passage. This is the first time it's ever hit me like this. I was like, I got to share this. Then I decided not to share it on Facebook because I was like, I don't know if I can articulate this well. Because some people may have an issue with it. I don't know. But I was sitting there reading it and I go, Judas didn't hate Jesus. He loved Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is a very, like, that's a very devious plan of the enemy yeah judas did not hate jesus in fact he loved him he spent a lot of time with him he just loved money more Mm. and i thought oh my gosh how many people go to churches and they they love jesus they have no issue with jesus whatsoever they just don't realize that they love everything else a lot more yeah and then he goes off and ends up destroying his life. Well, I mean, without ever, he doesn't hate Jesus. He's not antagonistic towards Jesus. He yeah. literally, and, and you can tell that he loved Jesus, that like that he had affection for Jesus, because when he found out that this wasn't just we're oh I'm getting some money for getting the man arrested that they're going to kill him, he goes and kills himself. That's what I'm saying. Like whenever he realized that money got in the way of his friend Jesus, money got in the way yeah. of his relationship with, uh, you know, with someone who just spent the last three and a half years together yeah. every single waking day almost. And you're like, oh, dude, this got in the way of my friendship. This got in the way of my relationship. He goes back and he takes all of he's like, I don't want this anymore. Like, I don't want this. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I thought I wanted this and I thought this is what I but I don't. Yeah. And it's too late. It destroyed him. It's too late at that point. And it that killed me yesterday when I'm reading that. I go, he didn't hate Jesus. Yeah. He didn't hate him. Because if if he hated Jesus, he wouldn't have tried to go back and, and, exactly. and try to give the he money back. He would have been thrilled at the yeah. fact that they were going to crucify him because then it would be like, I'm going to get away with this. I'm going to betray him. I'm going to get rich, and he's not even going to be here to do anything about it if that's how yeah. he felt about it. That's not how he felt about it. And that's what I'm saying. There's people in churches that you feel like you're on such good terms with Jesus because you're not antagonistic towards him. You participate in the things that he wants you to participate in, but something else ultimately has your heart. Mm. When push comes to shove, you make the decision for the thing that you love over Jesus. And when, especially when it comes to money, this is why Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because if Jesus was Judas's treasure, he wouldn't have chased after money and betrayed him whatsoever. 
But ultimately, Judas's heart was captured by money. He was not offended by Jesus. He was not antagonistic towards him. He had enough Jesus in his life to make himself think that what I'm getting ready to do will be okay. Mm. And that is what so many Christians are living that life right there, that I've got enough Jesus. I don't hate Jesus. I'm cool with Jesus. That it's not going to matter if I make this decision right here that, that literally makes me turn my back on him. Yeah. doesn't matter. You know, I've got enough Jesus. I'm cool with them. It's the atheists. They've got a problem with Jesus. It's the, no, they, it's like, th- this is one of the most, I even wrote this on a note card. So this is one of the most devious plans of the spiritual enemy of our souls that I've ever seen is how he gets us on good enough terms with God but not good enough to ever save us, but good enough to lull us into a false sense of security. Yeah. All the while, something else has captured our heart. Mm. That's good stuff. Yeah, it, 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 it terrifies me, not just for other people, it terrifies me for myself. Yeah. Because you have to go, am I Judas? Am I the one that just has enough of Jesus that, that will now excuse my bad behavior? Yeah, I've said this a couple of times to the worship team and uh, to friends or whatever. If we're ever having a conversation, the Lord just kind of puts it on my heart just to say it again. Is that the devil doesn't, he, his main focus is to get your eyes off of Jesus. Yeah. He's not, he's, that's, the main focus is to put your eyes pointing in a different direction and latched onto something else besides Jesus. And whenever he does that, then he's one. Like we always have to be diligent to keep our eyes focused on the prize because it just goes back to that. If my eyes are focused on something, then I know that my heart's going to be focused on it. And then that's my treasure. That's the thing that I'm chasing after. That's the thing that I'm going after. And if the devil can do a good enough job of getting my attention enough to look at something else, then that's what I'm chasing after. That's what yeah. my heart is focused on. That's what my, all my actions are focused in heading in that direction. It's not ever, ever, ever going to be on Jesus yeah. while it's focused on Here, something else. Here's the picture that just popped in my mind. That this is how, this is, this is this false sense of security that people have. And this is what it really looks like. Just imagine on your wedding day, the person who, who you say means more to you than anything is walking down that aisle. And you're checking out the bridesmaids. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, no. That's what it is. There's I don't mean to Jesus. laugh. It's funny. It's a good analogy, though. There's, but. there's Jesus in all of his beauty and splendor and glory who is meant to be the central focus of your life. And you're checking out the bridesmaids. Hmm. Money, sex, power, sin, you name it. You're looking at all that when this is supposed to be your focus. And you see, the groom in this scenario showed up for the wedding. He was there. Committed. Eye, committed. Committed. <laughs> has his eyes on something else. Yeah. And that's what ultimately has his heart. Yeah. He's going through the motions of the ceremony to be married, but something else has his heart. This is a very devious plan. This is why you have to be in constant reflection mode and self-searching. This is why David prayed Lord, search me and know me. Yeah. Like, and this is a consistent thing that we ought to pray. God, search me and know me. What has my heart? Yeah. Because if it's anything other than Jesus, man, you 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 are off course, and your conduct is not going to match your confession, and you're going to have an issue. Yeah. Good stuff, man. I hope you all are challenged by that. Uh, it is time for our mystery meat question. It's like sometimes I hope I've, I've put some not funny questions in here. It's like, <laughs> please get those on Scott's weeks. Yeah. <sighs> if <laughs> Thanks for watching the. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have a conversation with your pet and they could understand you for five minutes, Five minutes, what would you talk about? (laughs) Oh, gosh. I would love to talk to my kitties. 
I would. <laughs> Megan was just making fun of me yesterday about how much I love our cats. <laughs> like I'm like getting to it. It's like I'm just crazy about them. Yeah. I don't. I would just like to talk to them. Yeah. There's some stuff I'd like to tell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I want I you to like. Hey, I, I like. I you got to five stop minutes to so pay attention. Yeah. I don't want you to talk for just for a yeah. couple minutes. But this is a some. But then I would be very interested in what their voices sounded like. I feel yeah. Like even, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I feel like each of my little cats, they would have the, these very unique voices that go with their personalities, <laughs> and it would make me like even more crazy about them. <laughs> I'm not. I know this that sounds is the best answer. It ever. Sounds ridiculous, but like there are times when I'm at work and I'm like. I just want to go home and be with my cats. Yeah. Like, it's just what I want more than anything <laughs> is to be at the house with my cats. You hear it, folks. It only took like 120-something episodes for Scott to really open up yeah. for a mystery. Dude, I'm just telling you, if you bring up my cat, I don't even know what it is, y'all. Like, I didn't used to like cats. Yeah. And I don't like, and, and I was a dog person. And then when my dog died, I was so thankful. <laughs> I, I mean, it, look, I don't mean that in a mean way. That dog terrorized our house and everything about us. I know. And it was such, he was, she was such a pain, even though, like, we had her for so long. And then as soon as we started getting cats, I'm like, I am like. Well, dude, whenever obsessed. I first moved here, whenever I first moved here, you're like, all right, couple rules, Jared. Um, if you're the last one of the house, because I'm, okay, so I don't know if this is, like, public knowledge or not. So whenever I first moved here, we were still waiting for the apartment that we were going to be living in to get refinished and painted and stuff like that. And Scott was so gracious to let me stay um, in his basement. And he said, all right, rule number one, if you're the last one here, you got to make sure that trash can is up on the counter so the dog don't get in it. Yep. And so it was funny because... I mean, I've, like you just had to have that checklist because your dog was no, a dog terror. Was a terror. I, your dog like, was a terror. She had anxiety. She had uh, seizures. She had, uh, just everything. <laughs> she didn't have teeth her. either. She didn't have teeth because she chewed out of two metal crates. I know. So she lit. I mean, she was a very. That was a very. You know. All right. I'm not gonna say. She was just a disaster. <laughs> so now. And now that she's gone, I don't like anyone's dogs. Yeah. Like, if I go over to someone's house and their dog comes at me, I am not happy at all. Like, I'm ready. To, if you if you have a dog at your house, I'm ready to leave. Like, just flat out, I don't like them. Yeah. If you've got cats, I will come hang. Like, for real. If they're, I don't know. If they're the right cats. My sister got a new cat. That little cat is awesome. Yeah. Um, but, like, our three cats, they just, seriously, they make my, they make my day. Like... I think I would want to ask because I have dogs. I'm allergic to cats, um, so polar opposites or whatever. But I think that I would ask my dog, why anytime y'all meet a new dog, do you have to sniff each other's rear ends? Yeah, I, what's that? Yeah, what's that about, yeah. guys? I mean, seriously. I just want to hear my cat's voices. I feel like they would be the cutest thing ever. Uh, what if it's like a British cat? Yeah. I'm pretty sure Bert has like um, a similar voice to mine. Yeah, because we're like the same. Like we just like sitting on the couch, you know, <laughs> just chill. Like he's such a chill cat. Like, yeah, he's just. And then like Reese is like real standoffish, but like in a super cute way. Like when she does come around, she wants attention, but then other times she'll just be gone for like a day, and you're like, I don't know where that cat's at. Are they fixed? And then. Uh, Bert is the other two are not. Since Bert is the only boy, the other two didn't really need to be. Gotcha. Um, I was about fixed. to say, dude, you about to you about to. But like, listen, Luna, she's the new little tiny one. She's the craziest cat on the face of the earth. Yeah. I I'm not even making this up. I will show you the videos, and we might even be able to post them out for everyone to see them. Yeah. I have a staff meeting every Thursday morning for my job with the State Church of God. Um, this past Thursday, I did it at home because I had a meeting. Um, afterwards that was closer to my house. So I'm in the middle of this meeting. I'm sitting at my kitchen table. I have my fireplace um, is behind me. Um, you know, big brick wall. Brick, yeah, yeah. All that. All. So I'm sitting there, and I start hearing these noises of, like, something scratching this brick. And I turn around, and this, I mean, this cat is, like, this big. She's she has up. climbed to the top. <laughs> she is at the ceiling. Yeah. I don't. I don't even have a clue how she did it. Yeah, she's up there. She looks like Spider Man. <laughs> she's got her claws just dug in, 
And now she's looking side to side, trying to figure out how she can continue up the wall. Yeah. She did it till she finally fell. It was the craziest thing I've. I've she literally because we didn't we don't we don't declaw our cats. Yeah, yeah, that's rude. It's mean and she yeah. climbed the brick. Yeah, she had to be getting those claws into like the mortar or whatever between the bricks. Yeah, yeah. to do this. That's crazy. Oh, I I will post the videos and the video of her looking around for how she's gonna get down and then eventually <laughs> falling. I, when I turn around, I see this like blackish gray thing. I'm thinking, what the heck's on my ceiling? Like, because I've been playing a lot of Hogwarts Legacy. I've been seeing a lot of spiders, so that was like on my oh, yeah. my mind. I was like, is that that better not be? And then I look, and it's her. She literally looks like a superhero kitty. That's funny. So I, I I'd like to talk to her about that. Yeah. Like, how in the world did you do that? Yeah, yeah. And then for the rest of that meeting. I didn't know she was doing this. She was walking back and forth on the mantle. Yeah. So my, the guy that I work with, he goes, I'm really liking the the background imagery while we're on this meeting, Scott. And I turn around there. She was just walking back and forth. <laughs> like something that a dog would never do. Nothing that cute. No, dogs, what they do, if they, they're trying to get your attention. They're just going to jump in your face. Yeah, they're going to disrupt the whole meeting. Yeah, they're going to bark. They're just, hey, 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 hey. Yeah, and if you're Chloe, then you're just going to use the bathroom all over my house until I lose my mind. <laughs> that dog would have been gone a lot. Oh. Uh, she, she even terrorized your neighbors. Oh, I told yeah. you one time, I was like, I because uh, I was sitting outside or something. Like, I didn't have a key yet or something. Or I had to let her out. Y'all had probably gone mm -hmm. somewhere, and I'd let her out. And I was, like, freaking out because I was like, dude, where's this dog going? And then I realized that every time she had to go use the restroom, number two, she went to the neighbor's yard right on their their walkway. She yeah. just she would terrorize her. When we lived with my parents for a little <laughs> while, they have a very grumpy neighbor. Oh yeah, that he loved. She loved to go down there and mess with him. Yeah, loved to go to. She was a disaster. She was. She really was. What, if that, dog, what if that dog waiting for you in heaven? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I'll take all the kitties to heaven, but no dogs. <sighs> all righty. Well, we hope you enjoyed this. Enjoyed this episode of the Pastors Potluck Podcast. Uh, we appreciate y'all for listening every single week, and uh, we'll see you next Friday for another episode. Y'all have a great weekend. Thank you so much for listening in with us today. We really appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram. And you can also watch the video version of this on YouTube as well. All you have to do is search up the Pastor's Potluck Podcast. From all of us here, we want to say thank you, and we'll see you next week.